Hey there, this is self-executive editor Zara Barnes, and you're listening to Checking In. Today, I cannot wait to share a special piece of audio with you from the Savvy Psychologist podcast. Savvy Psychologist helps you meet life's challenges with evidence-based research, a sympathetic ear, and absolutely zero judgment. Host Dr. Jade Wu covers topics that affect so many of us, like how to find a therapist who's right for you, how to manage overwhelming emotions, and how to handle grief and loss. And even better, she always shares actionable advice to help you be happier, healthier, and most importantly, yourself. In this episode, you'll hear about compassion fatigue, a very real and natural reaction to stress that affects mainly caregivers and highly empathetic people. You'll learn practical tips to prevent emotional burnout and take care of your own basic needs. Keep listening for this timely episode, and if you like what you hear, be sure to follow Savvy Psychologist for more. New episodes go up every Friday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. I've been thinking a lot about essential workers especially healthcare providers who have been on the front lines of the COVID-19 crisis for a year. I can't help but marvel at just the amount of chronic stress and even trauma that they must be going through. It's no wonder that many are experiencing burnout and compassion fatigue. Welcome back to Savvy Psychologist. I'm your host, Dr. Jade Wu. Every week, I'll help you meet life's challenges with evidence-based research, a sympathetic ear, and zero judgment. Today, we'll talk about compassion fatigue, a type of burnout that can happen to caregivers, public servants, healthcare providers, anybody who spends a lot of time caring for others. So how can you recognize compassion fatigue, and how do you cope? We'll dig into actionable strategies today. During COVID, The frontline healthcare workers that have been saving our lives have not only been fighting for their patients' lives, but also fighting against equipment shortage, staffing shortage, conspiracy theories, new COVID strains, and of course they're doing all of this while risking their own lives and putting their families at risk too. So it's no wonder that according to recent research, many in record numbers are experiencing burnout. And as a mental health care provider, I'm especially concerned about one specific type of burnout that happens to healthcare providers. That's compassion fatigue. This can happen when you have experienced so much empathy for other suffering and absorbed so much of that suffering that you yourself begin to have trauma reactions. Those reactions can include things like emotional numbing, physical illness, and feelings of hopelessness. So that, ironically, one of the very traits that makes a person good at being a nurse or therapist or just a really good friend can actually become a liability. Compassion fatigue was first described in emergency department nurses and oncology nurses. These nurses may constantly witness pain, decline, and death, often without being able to save patients no matter how much of themselves they put into their work. Compassion fatigue has also been documented in child protection workers, mental health care providers, and it can even happen to people who don't work in helping professions. People who are highly empathic just almost can't help but feel others' pain. 
So how can we protect ourselves from compassion fatigue while continuing to care for others? The answer is not to become emotionally numb to other suffering, but rather to build good boundaries, take care of ourselves, and better understand our role. Now, before we dive into specific tips for today, I want to make one thing really clear. In this COVID-19 crisis, we shouldn't make an individual healthcare provider's responsibility to, quote, keep up with self-care so they can keep surviving through this continual trauma and keep saving our lives. That would be ignoring the real problems of a terribly managed crisis and putting the burden of it on the very people who are doing their very best to help us. So today's tips are meant to give some guidance for people to cope with compassion fatigue, but they do not imply that only people who experience this kind of burnout should be doing something about it or about the bigger picture problems. We all have a responsibility to help end the pandemic. All right, getting off my soapbox and down to earth to our specific tips for today for how to protect yourself from compassion fatigue. Tip number one is to know the signs of compassion fatigue. Fatigue, which is just being tired, is one of the most common things people experience when they have compassion fatigue. That makes sense because pumping stress-related hormones and often having the fight-or-flight system on high alert can use up a lot of energy. And some other signs that come along with this one include having trouble sleeping, like can't shut off thoughts, feeling too wound up or easily woken, feeling irritable, impatient, angry, and blaming others. Dreading going into work or finding yourself often late for work or calling in sick. Having a hard time empathizing or finding meaning in your life or work. Having unexplained physical symptoms like exacerbated pain, acne flare-ups, GI problems, feeling isolated or wanting to isolate from others, feeling helpless, hopeless, or both, having trouble making decisions. Now, having just one or two of these symptoms could be a fluke, could just be the result of a stressful day or two, but if you're experiencing a few of these, chances are good that you're experiencing compassion fatigue. The first thing to do is to recognize that compassion fatigue is not a weakness. It also doesn't mean you're not compassionate anymore. It's very natural for your body and mind to react this way. But now that you're aware of what's happening, it's not too late to start defending against it. And that brings us to tip number two. Hit the reset button and take care of your basic needs. Sometimes we underestimate the importance of the basics. Water, food, sunlight, oxygen. And sometimes we get so overwhelmed with our thoughts and emotions that we get to neglecting these basics. It can almost feel silly to say it, but a powerful reset button for your body and mind can simply be one weekend of a few of these things. Like carrying a water bottle everywhere and constantly sipping it. Eating balanced meals and snacks at consistent times, because remember, rhythms are important. And even just spending at least 30 minutes per day outside in the sun. Bonus points if you're physically active or spending time with friends. At the same time, 
tip number three is really important too, and that is to beware of destructive coping methods. When we feel emotionally depleted, it can be tempting to reach for quick fixes and shortcuts. This might mean reaching for that third or fourth glass of wine because it feels relaxing in the moment, or compulsively online shopping beyond our budget because we can find comfort in retail therapy, or saying hurtful things to people we love because it feels like that's the only way to express our anger. We'll try anything that gives us a chance to release some tension. The problem is that this release is only a distraction. It won't tap into what's really weighing you down. There's no need to judge yourself for these impulses. They're just your brain trying to help you cope with difficult feelings as quickly as possible. But now that you've noticed what's going on, be honest with yourself. Take a deep breath and say out loud, this is not the coping method that's really helping me. Pour the rest of that wine down the drain and move on to the next step, which is tip number four. Practice self-compassion. You've been giving compassion to your patients or your family or total strangers, but have you been giving any to yourself? Do you forgive yourself for mistakes or cut yourself some slack when you need a break? Do you say to yourself the comforting things that you would say to your best friend or your patient? Self-compassion is an important ingredient in loosening up compassion fatigue. And if you haven't taken care of yourself as well as you have others, it's not too late. Start by simply sitting quietly with your eyes closed and asking yourself, what do I feel? How do I feel? There's no rush to arrive at an answer. Don't reflexively tell yourself that you're fine. Sincerely take the time to walk your attention through your body, head to toe, and ask each body part what it feels. At some point, you'll arrive at emotions that might have just been hiding in your stomach or scrunching up your jaw. And when you get there, allow yourself to feel whatever emotions you find, whether pleasant or painful or some mix of both. Then say to yourself, out loud, it's okay to feel like this. I've been carrying a lot, so it's natural to feel heavy. I've been so strong and I need some relief. Don't be afraid to repeat these phrases a few times until they start to sink in. And don't be afraid to take your time or start over and reset and stretch because this is hard to do. It takes practice to pay attention to your body and to your emotions. So cut yourself some slack, give yourself some time and patience and some compassion. Now, let's talk about a few more tips. This one is my favorite. This is tip number five, which is to practice radical acceptance. As a caregiver or even just an emotionally sensitive person, you might be holding on to some ideas like, I need to take care of people. If I don't take care of them, nobody else will. If only I worked harder, maybe I could have saved them. Maybe I could have helped them. Or even worse, maybe I could have convinced them to not make that bad decision. This sense of responsibility we feel for righting wrongs and healing hurts is a double-edged sword. 
On one hand, it's the fuel that drives us to be compassionate, to be a nurse or social worker, a public defender, or just a very caring person. On the other hand, it can give us a disproportionate sense of responsibility to the point where we think we can, and therefore should, make everything right. The reality is that there are many, many things we cannot control, no matter how much we care. Even the best treatment cannot always save a patient, and the wisest advice cannot always change someone's mind. In moments when we catch ourselves thinking that if only, like if only he would take better care of himself, or if only the system weren't so stacked against her, or if only this child had grown up in a safe home. In these cases, we need to practice radical acceptance. This means recognizing that you cannot ultimately control anyone or anything other than your own actions. I challenge you to allow that there will always be pain, injustice, uncertainty, and imperfection in the world. And when you put down the weight of perfection and responsibility, you can breathe and be a force for good in a sustainable way. And the next tip, speaking of sustainable force for good, is to compartmentalize. There's a reason we have different rooms in a house for different activities. We humans need contextual cues to help us switch gears between working, playing, relaxing, and all of our important modes of being. We can harness this to redirect from compassion fatigue to more balanced living. In practice, this means that if your job is causing you compassion fatigue, you just keep work at work. When you come home, consciously tell yourself, I'm leaving my patients at work before even walking into your home. And then change out of your work clothes right away and immediately do something that takes up your attention. So not just a mindless chore that allows your mind to still keep ruminating and thinking about work. Ideally, you'd be doing something fun that takes your attention away. If your family or friends or something else is causing you compassion fatigue, Try to designate a specific time and a small space in your home, or even better, outside of your home, where you can work on these issues. You may have to get creative to design your own compartmentalization. If your compassion fatigue is coming from work, some good elements you might include are in maintaining a social life with people other than your coworkers, consistently doing hobbies and activities that have nothing to do with work. Having a ritual to mentally set aside work when you leave, such as having a box on your desk that you symbolically put all work-related thoughts and emotions into. If you work from home, make sure that you have a separate room for work versus leisure. And our last tip for the day, and this may seem obvious, but it bears repeating, get support from friends or a therapist. Social support is as close to a psychological panacea as we have. This may be especially true for compassion fatigue, a condition that can make us feel lonely and isolated even when we're surrounded by people. If you work in a helping profession, you may have access to support groups at work specifically designed to give you a safe place to vent. You'll be surrounded by others who experience similar emotional roller coasters, 
or emotional numbing, or confusing changes in the way they think about people, or dips in their ability to find meaning in their work. Sometimes just having these feelings validated can go a long way toward rejuvenating you. Better yet, join a mindfulness class or an art therapy group. These have successfully decreased compassion fatigue and increased compassion satisfaction for helping professionals. And if you don't have support groups, share your feelings with a trusted friend or coworker, someone who will not be judgmental. And of course, a therapist, too, can help you to process what you're going through. We all deserve to have an empathic ear when we've been lending ours, and to be carried when we've been carrying others. So I hope that you'll take some time to practice self-compassion, radical acceptance, and to set up a system of compartmentalization. Of course, this is all in addition to the basic foundation of taking care of your basic needs and not going to unhelpful coping mechanisms and generally maintaining good relationships and good support systems that will carry you in your moments of need. Thank you so much for listening and let me know how you are doing in this COVID-19 crisis, what questions you have about coping through this really difficult time. So let's continue the conversation on social media. You can find me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at QDT Savvy Psych and also at Jade Wu PhD. We can also keep in touch through the Savvy Psychologist newsletter, where I'll deliver psychology tips and updates straight to your inbox. Savvy Psychologist is audio engineered by Steve Rickyberg and edited by Karen Hertzberg. As always, Savvy Psychologist is strictly for informational purposes and does not substitute for mental health care from a licensed professional. Thank you for joining me and I'll see you next week for a happier and healthier mind.